0: They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Amen. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Mackenzie. It's great to have uh, have the kids in with us this morning. Uh, So welcome, kids. It's great to uh, have you join us. Uh, Today, we're looking at the amazing story of Peter and John and the crippled man in Jerusalem that was uh, just read out. Uh, But before we get into that, let's pray and ask that God changes us by His Word. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this incredible story, and we ask that You'd teach us many things by it this morning. I pray that You'd be working in us by Your Spirit and convicting us of the things that we need to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. Picture this, you're in Jerusalem, 2,000 years ago, you're outside the temple gate, the gate called Beautiful, and you're at your fruit stall, selling your fruit. It's a sunny day, the place is busy, there are people and animals everywhere, hustle and bustle, noises and smells, and then you look up from your fruit stall and you spot a man. Being carried through the crowd by two other men. They put him down just outside the temple gate, not far from your fruit stall. But you don't find this strange because you know this guy. Uh, He's over 40 years old. He's been crippled from birth. And as long as you've been running your little fruit stall, which has been years and years and years, someone has carried him to the same spot just outside the temple gate where he has sat all day, every day, begging for money. You've watched this guy for years and years, just sitting there, unable to walk. Sometimes you've even given him money yourself and you're watching this poor guy from your stall and then you notice two men stop and talk to him and it doesn't look like they're giving him any money, they're just speaking with him, you can barely hear what they're saying to him but you just catch the last word that they say to him, walk. Now, you're trying to figure out at this point if you've heard correctly, you know, did these guys just tell this crippled man to walk and then, to your utter amazement, this crippled man who you've known for years, who's never taken a step in his life, gets up to his feet and starts jumping around and singing and dancing and praising God. That's essentially what happens in the passage that was read out just before. It's an amazing story and it's a simple story. This is a simple story of two ordinary Christians who offered someone something extraordinary, something that turned someone's life around, And it's a story that carries a profound message that we all need to hear this morning. If you're a Christian, just a plain, old, ordinary Christian, you have something incredibly extraordinary to offer to people. Something, in fact, that's even bigger than fixing someone's crippled legs. Now, I'll be the first to admit that there are times in my life where I'll behave as though I have nothing to offer people as a Christian. I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'll go, I'm just ordinary. No, there's nothing special about me. I'm not like those other super-Christians who can do amazing things. I'm not like Peter and John who could, you know, heal a crippled man just by telling him to walk. I'm just ordinary. I don't have anything to offer. And I need to be reminded, we all need to be reminded, of who Peter and John actually were, and we need to be reminded that like them, we have something extraordinary to offer to people. And so, that's what we're looking at this morning. We're looking at who Peter and John were, and what they had to offer to people, and by extension, what we have to offer to people what this means for us. So, who were Peter and John? Were they some kind of amazing superheroes with supernatural power dripping from their fingers? Well, that's actually what the people who saw this miracle first thought immediately afterwards. Straight after the man was healed, the crowd rushes to Peter and John and they're thinking, you know, these guys have got the power. But look at what Peter does next. He gets up to address the crowd and he shuts that idea down immediately. I don't got the power, he says, essentially. Verse 12 When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? What's Peter saying here? He's saying, I didn't make this man walk, I don't have the power or the godliness to do that. Why are you looking at me as if I'm some sort of superhero?" So who were Peter and John? They were nothing special, they were nothing special and this fact is reiterated in the next chapter when Peter and John are arrested and brought to the religious leaders of the temple it says in chapter 4, verse 13, that the religious leaders were astonished when they saw how courageous Peter and John were, despite the fact that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Peter and John were just two ordinary blokes, that's who they were. They weren't educated, they were just plain old fishermen, and in one sense, They didn't have much to offer the crippled man. And this is a massive encouragement to me, actually, because if God can use ordinary blokes like Peter and John for His own extraordinary purposes, then He can use an ordinary person like me, and He can use an ordinary person like you. You know, sometimes we find that hard to believe because we just focus on our own inadequacies, and deficiencies and what we don't have. But that's not what Peter did in this story. You know, he didn't focus on what he didn't have, he didn't say, silver and gold have I none, sorry about that, see you later. No, he immediately turned to what he did have and he offered that instead. And what did Peter have to offer the lame man? Well, that brings us to the next point, Peter offers to fix the man's biggest physical problem in life. You see, this man has many physical problems and needs. Firstly, he has to beg for money and he has to beg for money because he doesn't have an income and he doesn't have an income because he doesn't have a job and he doesn't have a job because he can't walk and he can't walk because he's been crippled all his life. The man's biggest physical problem in life is the fact that he can't walk and all his other physical problems stem from that problem. But when he sees Peter and John, he asks them to help him with his most immediate problem, he needs money. And Peter and John can't offer him money, they don't have any, But they can do one better. They can help him with the physical problem that has been causing all his other problems in life. They can offer him salvation from his physical disability, salvation in the name of Jesus. That's what Peter has to offer. And so, he tells the man, in the name of Jesus, walk and he does. But there are a couple things that we need to clarify here. Firstly, is that the only kind of salvation that Peter and John could offer? Or even the biggest kind of salvation that they could offer? Well, to answer that question, we've got to look again at what Peter says to the crowd that gathers around him after the man's healed. You might think that in light of what's just happened, Peter would say something like, you know, look at this crippled man who's just been saved from his physical disability. You too can be saved from all your physical ailments, line up and be healed. But Peter doesn't say that at all. He doesn't even really mention the healing that much. And when he finally does, he does so in order to talk about faith in Jesus' name. Have a look at verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, Peter says, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Him that has completely healed Him, as you can all see. You see, Peter knows that there's a bigger need that the people in the crowd have. Their biggest need is not salvation from sickness or from physical disabilities, their biggest need is salvation from sin which is also available to them through faith in Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter offers them. He says to the crowd in verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Peter offers the crowd the chance for forgiveness from sin. Salvation from sin through the name of Jesus through faith in the name of Jesus now this is not just the crowd's biggest need this is our biggest need this is humanity's biggest need we need salvation from sin through Jesus this is the same salvation that Peter talks about when he tells the religious leaders in the next chapter in verse 12 that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This salvation is much more than salvation from disability, from sickness. This is salvation from sin, our rebellion against God that we deserve to be punished for, which is our biggest problem, bigger than all the other problems in our lives. It's the problem which all the other problems in our lives stem from, and it's a problem which leads to being cut off from God for eternity. And so, what Peter is offering the crowd here is extraordinary, it's huge. By telling the crowd to repent and to put their faith in the name of Jesus, he's offering them salvation for their souls. But there's something else we need to clarify at this point. What does it mean that this salvation is in the name of Jesus? Why the name of Jesus? Why not just Jesus? Here's what the name of Jesus means. In ancient thought, a person's name meant, didn't just identify who they were, it expressed the nature and presence of that person. Now, we sometimes still use names like that today. Let me give you an I- illustration. Quite often in my life, uh, someone will ask me um, to say hello from them to someone else. It's a little annoying when they do that, but anyway. Um, and so, if Bob, for example, asks me to say hello to someone, okay, I go to that person and I say, Bob says hi, right? Now, what am I doing there? I'm using Bob's name to bring Bob into the presence of someone else, so that they feel personally greeted by Bob, even though Bob is somewhere else. Do you get that? So, imagine if I could tell you all with sincerity this morning, for example, that our new Prime Minister says hi, or Taylor Swift says hi, Now, depending on who you care about more, uh, you would feel affected by that, you would feel personally affected, Um, you would be touched as though you yourself had met the Prime Minister or Taylor Swift, even though they were somewhere else. Now, it's the same with Jesus' name. When you say, in Jesus' name, you are doing something like, Jesus says, hi you are bringing the presence of Jesus into a situation through His name, even though He's somewhere else, i.e. sitting on a throne in heaven at the right hand of God. But it's much more than that because with, with Jesus' name comes not just Jesus' presence, but Jesus' authority as well. Let me give you another illustration. If I'm having a birthday party and I give you an invitation to give to someone else, I'm giving you the authority to use my name to invite someone else to my party. Okay, so then you can confidently go up to that person and use my name and say to them, "Jesus Jaish invites you." I'm not Jesus. Jaish invites you to his party. So a person's name signifies their presence and authority. And here's the point of all this, Jesus has left us here on earth with His name, and this is what Peter and John were offering to people, salvation in Jesus' name. Peter and John were two ordinary blokes who had the authority from Jesus Himself to invite whoever they wanted to Jesus' party, so to speak. They had the authority to offer salvation to anybody. Not just salvation from crippled legs, but much, much more than that, more extraordinary than that, salvation for the soul. And here's what that means for us. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, you have something extraordinary to offer to people you have Jesus' name. You have Jesus' presence and authority in His name. doesn't matter if you're plain and ordinary like me or like Peter and John, you have the authority from Jesus to offer anybody salvation for their soul. And if people accept it with faith in Jesus, they'll be saved, they'll be saved and people do accept it, people do accept it. Just a few weeks ago here at Southside, we were running the life course upstairs and the whole point of the life course is to offer salvation to people in Jesus' name and when we got to the end of the course after six weeks, the offer was made, do you want to follow Jesus? And one of the guys Who had been coming along to the Course the entire time said, yes, I do, which is amazing! And he's getting baptised here in a few weeks' time. That's great news. So, you see, we have something extraordinary to offer people and some people actually do accept it. We just need to get out there and actually offer it to people but so often we don't. So often we forget that we're sitting on a treasure trove of riches that we have from Jesus to offer to people. But sometimes it's not a matter of forgetting, sometimes it's a matter of fear. Sometimes we're afraid of offering this salvation to others because we either don't think that they really need it, which they do, or more likely we're afraid of what they'll think of us. So, what do we do? Well, firstly, we should do the same thing that Peter and John did after they were arrested and after they were released by the authorities. They prayed. You can read the whole prayer in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31, but I just want to highlight the end of the prayer in verses 29 to 30. Here's what it says. It says, now, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform the signs and wonders through to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Peter and John prayed for great boldness to speak God's word, boldness to tell people about Jesus and the salvation that's in Him, and we need to pray this prayer too. And that's why uh, when you walked in this morning, you would have received on one of these cards, this prayer printed. It's quite lovely, it's quite pretty, um, designed by our very talented Emily. We want you to take these home and stick them on your fridge and pray this prayer regularly. Pray for boldness to tell others about salvation in Jesus and pray for God to work wonders in the lives of people around us. That's the first thing. Now, if you didn't grab one of those on the way in, there's heaps at the back, so make sure you don't miss out. So, that's the first thing. But here's the second thing, don't do this on your own. For many of us, telling other people about Jesus is incredibly daunting, but look, we don't have to do it by ourselves, on our own. This is something we get to do together as a church. And so, if you're able to, get involved with English for Life, our English teaching group that meets here on Wednesday mornings, or play group on Tuesday mornings. These are places where, as a church, we can build relationships with people who don't yet know Jesus. Alternatively, if you can't do that, in a few weeks' time, starting on October 23rd, we're running another life course for six weeks, and this is something that you can bring someone to who doesn't yet know Jesus. And this time, it'll be on a weeknight, on a Tuesday night from 7pm, there'll be dessert, it'll be relaxed, every week there'll be a talk explaining a different aspect of the Gospel and there'll be discussion afterwards so that you can walk the journey with your friend, with other people. And also, if you're here this morning and you aren't a Christian or you're still trying to figure out whether you want to commit to following Jesus, please come to the Life Course, you can sign up on our webpage. Here at Southside, we want to offer as many people as we can, salvation in Jesus' name. We might be ordinary people, but we have something extraordinary to offer. So, let's pray for boldness, let's not just do this on our own, let's do this as a church together. Let's pray. Our dear, gracious and heavenly Father, we thank You for salvation in Jesus' name. We thank You that because of Your Son, we can be saved from our biggest problem, our sin. I pray that You'd help us all to accept this salvation in Jesus' name through faith in Your Son. Give us repenting hearts and help us to be bold. Help us to be bold to share this news that we have, this great news that we have, with the people around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.